and welcome to Potter Rocket. Today we have two exciting and great guests with us from QuickNode. So we have Anthony Campolo, and that's is that how we say your last name, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, I say it's camp like camping and olo like water polo, campolo. Campolo, uh, great, thank you. So we got Anthony Campolo and Noah Hine. Uh, they're both from QuickNode, and we're going to be talking about some of the infrastructure that helps run you know, the Web3 ecosystem that's being built today, some of the challenges that uh, companies face and how QuickNode, you know, can help you as a beginning developer or, you know, having a big piece of infrastructure, bring it to the fruition uh, that it can be. So Anthony, uh, we, we had Noah on a little earlier, as like one, two or three months ago, and we were talking about QuickNode and accessing blockchain data. Uh, Noah, you are a developer advocate and relations is is that the correct title for your role? Uh, yeah, the developer advocate. Developer advocate, great. He's basically running DevRel. Is is how I would put it. Awesome. Okay, can before we hop into it, what does that mean? In running DevRel. What is DevRel? Yeah, so DevRel would be the different parts of working with the developer community in terms of how they interface with their tools, and that can involve speaking with people who are using it, creating content for them, and th that whole kind of feedback cycle. And so I'm actually fairly new to QuickNode. This is only my second week so far. And so Noah is one of the people who's part of this kind of like DevRel team that we have now at QuickNode, which is really great because I think DevRel is a lot for one individual to do. So it really takes a couple of people to, to do it well. So you guys are tag teaming the uh, this whole effort to really get people indoctrinated into the space and, and understand what QuickNode does and make it accessible. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the term indoctrination, but that's kind of what, what it is a little bit. Yeah, and no, who else would you kind of like put in this bucket of DevRel at the at the company? Yeah, so right now we have um, Sahil is, is also at the company. He's also a developer advocate. And uh, for anyone listening, uh, we are hiring for more. Uh, if you are so interested in doing developer advocacy for Web3 companies, uh, please, you know, Hit me up in the DMs. Yeah, you might be right. Indoctrination is not the best word, but, you know, it's a really confusing field. And yeah, it's hard to find people. It's hard to find people that can really understand the needs of businesses um, and how QuickNote can help. So jumping right into that, how can QuickNote help, right? Let's talk about one of the number one things that uh, either Anthony or Noah, uh, you guys will step into and somebody says, well, what does QuickNote do? What's like the 30 seconds of that? And we can boil it down from there. Yeah, it's infrastructure for blockchains. So there's a couple of terms we should uh, define here because most people who have heard of Web3 may know that it's something to do with blockchains, but they may not necessarily know what a, a blockchain actually is. And the, the easiest way I've found to describe it is that it's like a shared database that a bunch of different people have on their computer at the same time that are all kind of synced together and agreeing on the current state of the world and so that can have a lot of different use cases the main one that was first is like for transactions so that database could have everyone's account balance and how much money they have for just this unit like the unit is whatever you kind of want to call it and then when you want to transact send you know balance from one account to another then every node in the chain has to agree on that and then you also, we'll just kind of have it be one long linked 
linked list that makes sure that you're always appending to it so you can't tamper with it or change it because obviously if you could change it then you could make yourself have a million dollars and you don't want to be able to do that so that's why it started out as a thing for currencies and it's expanded out to now have what are called smart contracts and so smart contract is basically code arbitrary code that can be executed on the blockchain so that can be any sort of logic you could think of that you could write in a programming language like javascript or python but there's usually specific programming languages like solidity but there's also other ways to actually write javascript so the main thing is that it allows you to have a program be embedded into the blockchain and then that is what's called like adapt a decentralized app so the the thing you really got to explain is like, why is it important to be decentralized? And so Noah, how would you kind of like explain, like what is the benefit of decentralization? Yeah. The, the benefit of uh, a DAP versus like, I guess a regular application um, would really be, uh, there's a lot of hype around the word, but permissionless is the word that I would use uh, around decentralization. And so typically if you're thinking in terms of APIs, I think is a term and you know, uh, paradigm that everyone is familiar with, like, hey, uh, you know, if I go over to some uh, arbitrary company, I get an API key and I start using this like API that they gave me and I get uh, some benefits and I don't have to write all of my code. You know, it's nice to use libraries that do really hard things for you in just a couple lines. And so Adapt could, in theory, do the same thing and unlock the same kind of uh, functionality that a traditional app would, uh, but at that point, uh, you don't have to have that API key. It's fully permissionless. No one can stop you from using this API. Once someone deployed up this, this app, uh, everyone is free to use it and everyone is free to uh, incorporate it into their application, uh, whatever their application may be and whatever original use case maybe the author had for it. Uh, once it's out there, it's just kind of out there, similar to open source software. You know, It's infinitely forkable. Anyone can do whatever they want with it. Um, and that's, I think, the main the main benefit to a decentralized application versus a traditional one. It really rests on the shoulder of the main use case and product of the blockchain is a decentralized database, like you were saying, Anthony. Like I, I feel like if we take the general idea of what do you use a database for? Okay, what it what kind of interesting human interactions can we foster, whether it be a DAP, whether it be a coin, whether it be anything, what type of human phenotype of this new piece of the infrastructure of permissionless that you said, Noah. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out, even even beyond dApps. There's, you know, network. I guess they are dApps, but you know, networks for sharing computing and stuff that aren't necessarily a platform uh, that we, that you would build off of. Um, we could we could talk for hours <laughs> about what's going on in the blockchain space and what a dApp is and how they're fitting into business models and stuff. But I'd I'd love to take a second and wrap this up into a really neat package. So we're talking about permissionless distributed blockchains. And QuickNode is a infrastructure provider that can help people access those tools and start building things today. So how does QuickNode fit in there? How does QuickNode help me as a developer trying to build a dApp tomorrow? Yeah, so we should define what an RPC provider is because that's essentially what QuickNode is. So when you have these blockchains that are out there, they have an API that you can use to, to access it. And it's just like method names, like ETH, get, 
or what are some like really common method names? No, like ETH call or ETH like estimate gas. ETH, ETH call is the big one. And then there's like various implementations. Really, if you're thinking about uh, a decentralized database, obviously that's not too useful without any methods uh, to access and manipulate that data in some form or manner. And so pretty much every single chain has these clients that expose a number of methods that are useful for interacting with the blockchain. And that's what I would consider an RPC provider to be is someone that exposes this API to you without having to run uh, the client on your own computer. Yeah, because that's another thing is that if you think about it, because a blockchain is a bunch of computers all connected to each other, it's it's like running a server, essentially. So it's it's a big... DevOps task really to do. So most developers, you have this whole wave of like really nice dev tooling companies, like all these different ways to deploy things, all these tools to deploy stuff. So if we want to really get developers from web two who are comfortable with that kind of tooling into web three, we need to give them similar tooling in terms of really like auto scaling and making sure that you have a nice interface and you have a dashboard and you have all this stuff that is going to allow you to interface with that blockchain in a way beyond just like making a curl request so it's like that's a that's a good way to start but there's lots of different libraries that you can use to interact and noah's done a really good job of documenting all the different ways you can kind of interact so you can see like how to do it with a curl request how to do it with like ether js or web3 there's these or like there's a ruby one as well so that's also what we provide is not just like the infrastructure but also like the education and the the guides and the the knowledge you need to actually interact with these applications because at right because as a developer if i want to build something that makes a call request or debug trace transaction to get information or whatever i need somebody running a hunking big piece of hardware that's ready to accept my request and I know from from my own experience, like there's some calls you can make that, man, it's just like it's megabytes or more of data that you get just from one call. So it's this is nothing light. This is, you know, I, I've tried personally to run one. It took me, a, let's see, I used a 16 gigabyte uh, gaming laptop and it's st- it was using like all of the power. It was ridiculous <laughs> for testnet. So um, QuickNode doesn't make me do that. QuickNode lets me go run something with you guys. And so you're mentioning libraries and stuff. So there's a lot of uh, easy SDKs. I'm thinking like Firebase, right? Where I can like download a package, interact with this backend as a service right away in the language that I'm familiar with. Uh, what what are some of the most popular ones? I'm guessing JavaScript, obviously, because everybody, that's like the, the Babel language. Yeah, I've been learning Ethers JS. That's one that is really common. You'll see in a lot of tutorials. I know Noah has used quite a few of them by this point. Yeah, I, I would say JavaScript is probably the main one. And I think that's a testament to just how uh, web development and software development has been as a whole. Um, it, you mentioned solutions like, like uh, Firebase and the Web2 world, I think is very indicative of how software has been iterating is it's just been very much focused on making uh, someone who is coding like HTML, JavaScript, and CSS providing like this front-end experience for users and trying to give them all of the data that they need in the easiest way possible. I would say is a fairly accurate summation of like the last 10 years or so of web development. It's like, how can we make it's super easy to get the dynamic data that we want into like a React application? Uh, and so I'd say JavaScript has been pri- the main driver, 
uh, for most of these libraries, Ethers.js being probably the most prominent one currently. There's also Web3.js, um, and there are a number of other solutions. Like I think most blockchains offer both Java and Golang SDKs, and Rust is also kind of on the come up. But I would say if you're just getting into things, that JavaScript is probably the way to go and is where you'll find the most documentation for as well. And one of the cool things about crypto uh, here, like mentioning the, the libraries, the SDKs that we're working with, is it's, they're not like specific to QuickNote, unless you guys have some that I don't know about. But the, the general idea, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that you guys are running infrastructure, right? So there's, I could go ping an Ethereum node just randomly on mainnet, and I could expect to take all that code that I'm writing in my prototype or just investigative research, and I can bring it over and port it uh, direct it right at uh, anything that quick node I would have host for my Ethereum node, and it would just work because it's all the same protocol. It's the same blockchain. Uh, is there any like higher level libraries on top of that, or do you see most of the activity happening with people just booting up these RPC nodes and kind of hitting them and powering their applications? Yeah, so um, while uh, I would say like three-ish three months ago, the answer would have been yes, uh, we are just purely exposing the API and we're really just an infrastructure provider. And you're still correct in the sense that like if you write a bunch of code using any one of these libraries and you're testing it locally on your machine and then you just changed your uh, URL to be from like localhost, whatever port you've put it on, and then and instead exchange that for a quick node URL, everything will just work. Um, albeit a little bit faster because we have some optimizations on our end that are going to kind of speed up a couple of specific methods that are a little bit heavier. Um, but we're also starting to add higher level APIs. And so the NFT API is one that we launched recently that's both on Ethereum and Solana. And that's like a, a high level API that will just get you a lot of NFT data, whether it be like, hey, I want to get all of the NFTs that a wallet owns. That seems like a really simple uh, use case. Like, hey, I have some random wallet address and I want to get all of the NFTs from it. Um, and while that sounds easy, if you were to actually implement that yourself, uh, you would end up making several requests. And so we're starting to offer these higher level APIs that uh, offer not only like abstractions and makes your life a lot easier because you're just making the one request, but there's also performance optimizations that we're making on our end as well. Um, and are continuing to, to make those to be, uh, like I said, making everyone's lives easier to build the applications that they want. I mean, blockchain data is unruly. It's big and there, there's a lot going on. And I'm sure when, when you say, oh, we have all the stuff going on, there's like layers and layers of caching and, and, and uh, subnetting things out to faster places and, and edge and, and all those glorious optimizations that are coming into the spotlight now. Um, speaking of optimization, right? If I if I ran a company and I switched to QuickNote, I would expect to save money, right? Because, you know, it takes a whole team to run this stuff. Uh, do you have any cool stories of uh, the type of costs that can get saved if you take this piece as an infrastructure and offload it onto a provider? Just to kind of put it into perspective of what it really takes to run a node and how a QuickNote can step in there. Yeah, uh, Anthony, I'll, I'll take this one too, if you don't mind. The, I think, immediate uh, use cases that you want to think about and kind of like as far as cost saving goes is if you want this data, someone needs to run the nodes. And that can be you if you want, but that also means that you're going to hire a DevOps team. 
and you are going to have a very, very high churn rate if you just have one DevOps guy that's hosting all of your blockchain nodes for whatever your application is. It's going to be a very sad engineer, and I don't imagine that they're going to last too long. And so I imagine like for most startups that are looking to like, hey, we're scaling pretty quickly, we have a decent user base that are using our application, and we want to host all of our, our nodes internally, and we want to have full control over it. Um, you know, that's probably like a four or five person team that is running all of these nodes. And so DevOps engineers are expensive. Uh, and so whatever salary you want to put on like whatever four or five DevOps engineers is monthly, uh, you can usually replace that, uh, you know, if you're using quite a lot for about $300 for, I would say, like the average user. So if you're replacing your four person DevOps team for a monthly quick note subscription, it's a very similar value proposition to using AWS or GCP. Uh, you know, in the web two world, I'm like, Hey, I don't want to run all of this myself. I want other people to kind of offload that for me, you know, in the traditional sense that, uh, people don't want to run servers. They don't want to have to have a server rack in their back room to keep their application running. Unless you're of a special type, you know, they're out there. They are out there, but I would say that that's the general value prop and the general dollar amount that you're going to save. It's going to be several people's salaries in exchange for just a monthly bill that we're going to send you. And if you're coming in from someone who is just kind of testing it out and doesn't necessarily have a ton of people, you can start on just the $10 a month plan. And that's really great because just spinning up like a Kubernetes thing on AWS will usually cost you more than that. So it's a really good way to just get your foot in and start using it. A few months ago, I was running a very light Kubernetes cluster to host a web app, which totally could have been you know, a, a, one of those cloud run things and I would have paid nothing for it. But yeah, the, the cluster ran me like $250 a month and I had no idea. It was just going there baking. It, they're, they're very expensive. It, I think cloud infrastructure is underestimated very frequently, um, not just in the upfront cost, but you know, you have the personnel to run it. It's multiple salaries. And if you have one guy, yeah, it's, he's going to be a sad, sad man or woman. You know, that's that's a difficult job <laughs> to run all that. Um, so it, you know, QuickNode is consolidating this into a team of, you know, really seasoned professionals that can run this. What do you say to the people out there who argue that this is really bad for decentralization? I think in all industries, we see centralization of infrastructure pieces slowly conglomerate because it's just an efficiency and a cost thing. Like that's how we as people operate. So totally expect it to see in the crypto space. Um, there are a lot of interesting comments you'll find online and on Reddit, though, about this general movement and the way that we do nodes today. Uh, so does Quick, is QuickNode a big consensus player? How does QuickNode plan to continue to support decentralization? Um, and yeah, how many, I'm also curious how many protocols you guys are in now, if that's even something you have a figure on. Yeah, I think this is a, a really interesting part of the conversation because if you try and go purist on anything, I think that that's always where you're going to start running into problems when it comes to technology is because like technology is always going to be about trade-offs and compromises and trying to find some that that actually works. So I think that the there's like this, you know, block blockchain trilemma they talk about where you have the, the trade-off between decentralization and security and uh, throughput the is that the three of them now scale scalability but through throughput gets the idea yeah and so the the thing you get by having a centralized solution is you get to kind of boost yourself in one of those areas where where you may be weak so i've found that like i've played around with ipfs which is like 
this peer-to-peer like get kind of content thing and you can put a website on it and you can have it be accessed through there's like cloudflare has a gateway and there's like a decentralized one so you can like do dot link or dot limo and they are significantly slower and less reliable than just using like fleek which is like a a service that kind of does it for you so i i see it as kind of a in one sense, it's like a stopgap for getting us there quicker, like basically kind of filling in the the challenges that the technology still has. And then as these things grow and get better, they can become more decentralized and we can find other ways to kind of add value as it becomes easier to do. But I don't think it's really like an inherent contradiction because we're not the only company doing this. Like there's other people, you, you have multiple different solutions. So you're still not necessarily locked into one like centralized thing in that sense. Like you're still... You can choose to do this if you want to get the benefits of it, but you don't have to. Like You can still run your own node if you really want to. I think one paramount thing to advertise to the people who are concerned about this uh, centralization problem is that this is one of the only pieces of infrastructure tied to monetary gain where anybody in anywhere in the world can join at any time with very little red tape. Or no red tape, right? Uh, you know, if somebody wants to come be part of the American banking system in another part of the world, like, <laughs> you either have to have a lot of money or the right friends. So, you know, here you can really just get in and uh, that's open source to me. It, it, it has the ability for anybody to enter at any time. Um, th- that red tape is kind of evaporated. Yeah, I, I would like to add that, like, uh, quick note as, like, is a business first and foremost, and so it is entirely centralized. And so if you're thinking about trade-offs as far as like decentralization goes, like there is uh, an entire possibility, uh, you know, quick note is just like any other US-based company and has to comply with US-based laws and is uh, vulnerable to like government sanctions, etc. cetera. Um, however, there's also, like you mentioned, there's like no red tape involved and that like anyone can access the data that we are providing. So if you're thinking about us as like a data provider and not all the performance benefits on like, hey, if you spin up a node that's like running on your Linux machine and like your closet over there, like you can run it, but you're not gonna be able to serve a bunch of requests like QuickNote is. However, you can still get all of the data. And so there's no vendor lock-in in that sense. And that like, if for some God forbid what reason, you know, you get locked out of your QuickNote account and your app starts failing. It's like, okay, you can go somewhere else. Like all of that data is still there. It's not like, oh yeah, it's, it's still there. Everyone still agrees that all of that data still belongs to your application. All of your funds are secure and you can go somewhere else and still get all of the same data elsewhere. And even if that means spinning up your own team. So that's always been my my biggest thing is like, yes, there are vulnerabilities as any centralized company is, but you know, the world in general has been working on entirely centralized services for an incredibly long time. And, you know, outside of, you know, extreme edge cases, things are going well, but even in the worst case scenario, you still have literally everything. You're just going to have a bit of downtime as you migrate to like a different provider or spin up your own. And so that's been a, a big part of why I feel good working here. Uh, and I don't really see it as a contradiction of like still spreading uh, decentralized technology because we need to get further faster. And I think companies are naturally going to be really good at providing that experience and that launch pad for other people to innovate off of. Absolutely. There, there needs to be some powers that be bringing together the discombobulation of this space because it's pretty discombobulated. Well, depending how much, 
at, from where what angle you're coming in, but it can be really daunting to get into things. Um, so I, I would love to circle back real quick and talk about your NFT API that you that you mentioned because what, when I learned about QuickNode, QuickNode was like the L1 solution. It's like all right, if I'm building something and I need to get my data, I'll go to QuickNode so I don't have to spin up something. Then there's these um, I'd call them like analytics companies. So we're talking Flipside Crypto, Dune Analytics, um, Rabbit Hole. Uh, these companies that sort of like work on the data cache it, arrange it, build tables, and then you know either sell it directly to protocols or make it available for users. So with the NFT API, are you kind of stepping, is QuickNote stepping into that realm? Is it going to start uh, offering more products that you know are analytics driven? Yeah, so I would say that NFT API isn't necessarily so much about analytics. You mentioned Dune Analytics. Uh, they're like a, a key customer of ours and like they are pulling uh, a lot of data from us on any given point in time. And there are huge consumers of blockchain data and any analytics company is going to be like massive, have a really voracious appetite for all of the blockchain data that they can get. And so we want to make that job. Uh, that's, that's a lot to take on. Uh, and we'll continue to let them, you know, do their thing. Cause that's like the, it would take quite a lot for us to start doing something like that. Um, where we're really seeing is like, how do you, uh, make data that is, uh, you know, really common, uh, like as far as use cases go and giving them like a higher level API. So the NFT API specifically right now, like we have this um, fetch NFTs method that you can call. And so it's, you know, a very similar request to like ETH call or ETH block number. It's just like fetch NFTs and it takes in specifically like a wallet address. And then it can also filter by specific contracts like, hey, I want to check uh, if this particular wallet owns any board apes. And so then I can go through and send that request over there and our API handles the rest and uh, kind of allows you to scale a little bit faster because it offers performance benefits because we have like a caching layer and some pagination involved. And so I, I think um, Anthony would probably have some insights on like being newer to the space, how these APIs really leverage uh, new people to the space to start building. And Anthony, when you answer that, could I just also ask if you could maybe mention some of the ways that these analytics or uh, APIs that Noah's talking about empower like developers? Because uh, I know QuickNode does have some features uh, for that if if it flows into the explanation. Yeah, we should talk about like what is an in, in NFT also, because I feel like a lot of people are getting into this space through NFTs and it's gotten a lot of hype. Like, And it's something that if you're like completely divorced from the tech industry entirely, like you chance are you've probably heard of, of an NFT. And so NFT is a non-fungible token, which is basically the idea is that it's something that represents like ownership, like something individual on the blockchain. And so a lot of people use it to map to like a piece of art. So you have these people who are creating these like art galleries and then selling them as NFTs. And you also have things like the, the board ape yacht club, which is you'll have like a set that will be minted with like different kind of characteristics. And it's kind of like a, it's like a generative art kind of thing. And so it's really interesting and, but it generates a lot of data and then you have like, it's, it can be just kind of complicated and messy. So what we do is we just basically give you like easy ways to, get things like who is the creator of the artwork, who is the owner, 
And then that lets you kind of cut through having to know so much of like the underlying kind of like blockchain architecture, because especially if you're if you're an artist, like you you want to be able to understand like what like what is actually happening with your art? Like, what is this thing? (laughs) Because, you know, you there you don't there's also things like rug pulls where people will like sell something and then change what the picture is. And so if people aren't empowered to actually see what is on the chain itself, then the, you can talk about ownership all you want, but, but it's not really that. And so I find that giving, you know, access to really easy high level APIs to like, just get this information out NFTs is, is where the value really comes in. Right. And I mean, that data is also like, there's an audience for it that, as you mentioned, might not be very inclined towards blockchain. So if, you know, how do I sort through these nodes? How do I figure out, oh, this is the owner, the sender, the result of the transaction? I don't, I don't know. This NFT API would be the perfect sort of first place to look. Uh, if you were building a more traditional app, uh, just quick node. I'm just thinking about Firebase, right? They have some very, very light things like my, my requests, uh, how often somebody comes to my site. Uh, th- does QuickNode do anything in that sort of realm? Or rate limits, right? I'm sure there's some basic you know, rate limit, how much I ping my node. But a- anything in that realm uh, for people going out and trying to build today, what are some features that they can look out for? We got all the metrics you want. <laughs> but yeah, no, we can probably talk more about like the specific kind of like the most high value metrics that we get. Yeah, so I mean, for anything like... Uh... If you are a user of QuickNode and you sign up, you have a node. Um, that's kind of like the first uh, point of access that you have. You have your dashboard that has all of your different uh, endpoints that you have registered. So um, you know, whether you have like, oh, I have a mainnet node or I have a testnet node or I'm on Ethereum or I'm on Solana, you have that first kind of like high, uh, high level and like, okay, what actually do I have access to currently? And then you can break down for each node. Um, we have metrics that are going to show you like, hey, what are your most common requests? Uh, what are, you know, it will also pull some relevant blockchain info just on your dashboard. So for example, you can test to make sure like, hey, is my node up to date right now without making a request? We're going to show you the latest block height by by default. And then we'll also show you some uh, stuff around the client. So it's like, hey, what version of Geth are we on? Geth is like a uh, implementation of Ethereum using Go. It's one of those clients that we talked about earlier. So we give you some version info and just really a breakdown of how are you using your node? What methods are you calling? Whether are they on a WebSocket or HTTP? Uh, you know, what time did you send them? Uh, what is your average latency? Um, but then we also do have, to your point, like kind of security uh, measures. We have like authentication tokens. So that's similar to like the API keys that I was talking about earlier. That's how we track like your usage of the nodes, but you can also keep that uh, secret so that if your endpoint gets exposed, you know, it's still not the end of the world because they don't have uh, that token. Uh, you can also, we have like uh, JWTs, if anyone is familiar with them, JSON web tokens, they're another form of security. Yeah, this is where you talk about if you're talking about Firebase, like having that authentication there. And that's where you really want to be able to not just have this open endpoint that anyone could do anything with, but have those more fine grained permissions. Yeah. And so many things like that. We've got like refer whitelisting and domain masks. And obviously we try to be transparent about like, hey, here's all of the usage. You know, how much is that going to cost you? Um, and you can even access information like that before signing up for a node. Like if you're like, hey, I'm expecting you know to plug in like two million requests every single month. How much does that cost me? And we have like some pages that have uh, 
the ability to show you like, hey, here's the methods that you're going to be using, how much it would cost you to do all of those things. Because I think QuickNote is first and foremost about transparency. I'm like, hey, uh, this is like blockchain. There's You could get all of this data yourself. Like we're upfront about that. Like there's nothing stopping you from booting up your own node and getting all of the data that QuickNote is providing you. You could do that for uh, free outside of, you know, your time and tiers that you will spend, you know, spinning up the node yourself. Because there will be tiers. Yeah, there, there, there will be tiers. And just making sure that we give you as many insights as you can onto like, hey, how are you actually using this and trying to give everyone the same amount of control that they would have if they were running their own node and being able to get the insights out of that. That's really how we approach creating our dashboards. It's like if someone had access to this node themselves, what insights would they want and what would they put on their page and then creating dashboards that reflect that so that they don't have to build out all of those, uh, you know, monitoring and analytics tools themselves. It just, it's great to know about some of these and for people listening, because there's like, like we said at the beginning, there are quite a few like node providers, but there's stark differences between them. And I think this is one of the ones that uh, can attract new developers, especially to uh, the ecosystem at QuickNode. Uh, it's really easy to run up cost and it's really easy to see what you're doing uh, versus what you're not doing. And that can inform not only like your billing, but your uh, software and infrastructure design. So it's really important to tackle those problems when you have such an unruly data set uh, at your hands. Um, and speaking of some of these features, quickly delving into competition, uh, there are a lot of these people. Who would you say like one of your number one co competitors are? Personally, I've used Data Hub, right, to get an osmosis node, which has been an interesting experience. So I'm wondering uh, if you guys know about Data Hub, how are you different from Data Hub or really any other arbitrary node provider out there and why should a developer come to QuickNode? Besides the great reasons we just mentioned. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with, with Data Hub. I'd be curious to know if you've heard of that one. I, I haven't heard Data Hub. I haven't. Yeah, the ones that I usually hear are Alchemy and Infura, but there, there's actually like a, over a dozen of these if you if you really go deep. But those are probably the ones that like when I was going through tutorials to like learn this stuff, I would usually see those three kind of grouped together. Like you can use Infura or Alchemy or QuickNode, and then there'd be kind of a quick little comparison between between the three of them. I think the the main things that we have is that we're across different clouds, so we're actually multi-cloud. So that I think will make us more resilient in the long run. And then we also have a wide variety of different chains that we integrate with, so we're really very multi-chain and just on a performance basis i think that we do we do really well there but um the thing with like the multi-chain is that then you, what you have to watch out for is if someone is highly optimized for like a specific chain like just solana you know then it can be more challenging to kind of compete with that but in terms of like having a wide breadth of chains that we can interact with we we do a really good job on that i think and uh who would you say is the number one solana provider out there because solana is like the craziest one for anybody listening you know like a bitcoin does one block every 10 minutes you have to download ethereum does please correct me if i'm wrong but one every 12 seconds or something right and solana's one every 400 milliseconds on average so <laughs> that that's a crazy data set uh you guys have solana right we could get a solana node over a quick node yeah, you, you can get a Solana node. Um, there are a couple of different uh, Solana providers. However, QuickNote is actually, uh, you know, I'm always hesitant to say that we're number one at anything. 
because um, obviously I'm a bit biased, but QuickNote is definitely the largest RPC provider on Solana as far as I'm aware. As far as like number of users, the number of calls that are generated, I think QuickNote represents the majority of uh, people that are not running their own nodes. Um, and those are a really hardcore folk because if you're running a Solana node, uh, first of all, that you're not going to be able to buy any consumer grade hardware machine that can run Solana. Um, and, you know, I looked into it myself. I'm like, hey, uh, what if I wanted to run like my own Solana node over on some cloud like AWS or GCP? And like the monthly cost for that, for like the bare minimum is about $600 a month uh, to run Solana nodes. So there's like the value out of like, hey, we're really cheap. Um, but I would definitely say like we're the largest one. Um, and there are a couple of others in the game that are just now coming up. Um, and so I, I don't want to speak to them on like how their performance is or what their value adds are, because I don't know what they are. Um, and honestly, I haven't been too aware because it's just been very much heads down on like, hey, this is uh, Solana takes a lot and is a different like uh, programming model than Ethereum is. Uh, so it's been a lot of head down, heads down and like building guides and tutorials to make development on it easier. Uh, so I actually don't have the greatest idea on the comp any competition that's there. Um, but e even at a minimum, the fact I find it super interesting. You guys mentioned your multi-cloud. That's huge. I think like a lot of people who aren't super familiar with how enterprise deployments usually go uh, might not immediately see the value in this. But if you work in cloud, you'll you'll know that like things go down. Actually, a lot of people might be familiar. Recently, AWS has had issues. We all know like Slack's gone down. The past six months, 2022 has been kind of a rocky, a rocky time. So the fact that your multi-cloud is unique, um, and for me as a consumer, that gives me a lot of confidence that the data is going to be there. Maybe it'll be slower, but it's going to be there. My stuff, my stuff's not going to go down. So that's really, really neat. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, we're kind of coming up on time here. Uh, so is there anything you would like to point our listeners at if they wanted to get started with QuickNode or? Any blockchain resource in general for people trying to develop and get their hands wet? Um, I think you're going to find a sparse amount of good resources, I think, overall compared to like something like just like the React world. But I'm seeing a lot more just within like the last year. So it's like Natterdabit has a lot of great stuff. And you'll find actually some really useful guides on quicknode.com. Actually, I, I found that when I was trying to to learn things, I was finding guides that like Noah or other people on the team had written. And so uh, quicknode.com forward slash guides. And then the, the other one, docs, what's the? Yeah, it's quicknode.com slash docs. will be like an API reference for any of the chains that are available over there. We'll give you like the actual like RPC methods that we were talking about early on. Like, hey, here's the specific example on like, how do you get the block number in JavaScript and Python and Ruby and Perl uh, as for, for the documentation. Having those examples is a really awesome way to bootstrap your projects. I'm a huge fan of those. I love logging onto a backend as a service, copying, pasting it, and then, you know, doing what you got to do. It's the fastest way to get something working. So we'll quicknode.com slash docs. And uh, we had Nabr Nader David on a few months ago, and uh, thanks for bringing up his name again. So you could go check out our Pod Rocket episode on that, or he has countless like awesome, awesome YouTube videos, like full stack. If you want to do the full stack, writing a DAP, you could follow his tutorial and have your node run with Quick Node. So uh, we can link his uh, channel as well. Yeah, I really liked his stuff because it came from a very similar perspective to me because. 
like Natter, I was someone who was doing like JavaScript, React, AWS, serverless, GraphQL. Like we we kind of came from the exact same kind of set of technologies. And so he was creating tutorials for people in that kind of with that kind of background. So for me, I was able to like really get up and running really quickly. So it was like you can just separate out like what is the really specific stuff here learning about things like hard hat or some sort of library like ethers js and then how do you interact with like a test net and so if as long as everything else around that is kind of familiar then it's a lot easier to kind of like just figure out those little pieces instead of also having to learn like a whole new front end kind of language because it's like you know if you know react like react is very comfortable and i found ethers actually integrated really well with it like just getting it to have these kind of like hook kind of things it it pretty much worked just how i would expect it to so yeah it's like everyone's gonna be coming from this from a different place but that in particular really like just clicked for me as someone coming from a quote-unquote traditional you know web 2 kind of background great hopefully some viewers relate to that i do want to say i'll I'll keep it really short we would be remiss on uh, listing educational resources without uh shouting out patrick collins he has a video over on free code camp teaching you solidity it's like a 16 hour course that takes you kind of like from zero to hero on solidity development so if you're looking to build your own dap and like actually deploy a smart contract and you're really looking to learn solidity specifically that would be my go-to resource yeah, yeah, because Solidity is it's its own thing entirely. Because that's that's the language you'll you'll write your smart contracts in. So you can go really deep on on just Solidity, or you can kind of go more broad and also include things like Hard Hat, which is like how do you actually deploy your smart contract that's written in Solidity. So you'll, for me, I found it easiest to first figure out how to like deploy like a Hello World smart contract. And then once I got that whole kind of end-to-end process, then I started going deeper into like, okay, what is actually Solidity and what can you do with Solidity? Because then I was able to interact with the blockchain fairly easily. But then it's like, okay, well, then you get all these questions of security and like vulnerabilities and like that is like an entire own special specialization, really. Well, great. We'll uh, have those resources linked below and the quick note docs and hopefully somebody who's listening or viewing can uh you know hop over quick node get get a node running and deploy something on their own infrastructure because that always feels cool when you deploy your first hello world and something's real like that so uh hopefully we'll help empower some people to do so today uh well thank you so much for your time uh anthony and noah it was really great having you guys on uh if you want to come in the future and you know help share some more awesome knowledge about blockchain we'd be happy to have you uh but until then we will see you guys around awesome thank you so much for having me yeah thanks a lot always a fan of the pod rocket thanks for listening to pod rocket you can find us at pod rocket pod on twitter and don't forget to subscribe rate and review on apple podcasts Thanks.